0: Well, good to see you in the house of the Lord again this evening, let's turn your Bible to Psalms chapter 21, Psalms chapter 21, and I'm going to read the entire Psalm, Psalm 21, the king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord. In thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice, given him his heart's desire, and hast not withholden the request of his lips, Selah. But thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness, thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest gavest it him, even length of days, forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation, honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him most blessed forever, thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. For the king trusteth in the Lord, through the mercy of the Most High he shall not be moved. Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies, thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger, the Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shalt thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee. They made which they were not able to perform. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back, when thou shalt make ready thine errors upon thy strings against the face of them. thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength, so will we sing and praise thy power. Simply titled the message tonight, Rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to assemble together, to open your precious word, and to sing praises unto thee. And and Father, we know that thou art worthy of our praise, our honor, and our worship. And tonight, as we look at the word of God, may we be encouraged and strengthened and challenged into a closer walk with thee and to rejoice in your power your strength, your salvation, your goodness to us. And we'll praise you for what all we do. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, the Bible refers much to rejoicing in the Lord. Philippians 4 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord, I say, and again I say, rejoice. The psalmist here is rejoicing in the Lord. And he mentions a couple of things in particular. He rejoices, first of all, in his strength. He also rejoices in his salvation salvation he greatly rejoices but I you first of all rejoicing in his strength we are to rejoice in the Lord it is a command it's a command to rejoice in the Lord and we ought to rejoice in the strength of the Lord if we are going to rejoice in the strength of the Lord we must believe that he is the almighty you know, think about it for a minute You know, Genesis 18, 14, the Lord appeared to Abraham and Sarah and said, and and God told Abraham, Sarah, thy wife shall shall have a son indeed. And Sarah laughed. And the Lord said to Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. Now she was past childbearing age. But Sarah shall have a son. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a question we ought to ask ourselves from time to time. In Numbers chapter 11, people wanted flesh to eat. You know, they were tired of the leeks and, and, and or the, the manna. They were tired of the manna, And they wanted the fish and the flesh from Egypt. And, and, and the Lord said, I'm going to give you flesh to eat. Not a day, not a week, but a whole month until it comes out of the nostrils. Moses said, Lord, you're going to kill all the flocks and all the herds? You're going to slay all them? I mean, we're 600,000 footmen, plus women and children. And the Lord simply said, shall the Lord's hand wax short? You will see. In Deuteronomy 3.24, the Bible says, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servants thy greatness, and thy mighty hand; for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? In Deuteronomy seven twenty one, thou shalt not be affrighted of them, for thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. Deuteronomy ten seventeen: for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. The psalmist in Psalm 95, in verses 1 through 7, he says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In His hands... Hand are the deep places of the earth the strength of the hills is his also the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today if you hear we hear his voice see this, this great God he is our God He is our God. We must believe in him as the almighty. And we need to also believe that the Lord desires to demonstrate his strength in us. Notice again verse 1. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord. And in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. Notice he says, thy strength, O Lord. But notice verse 2. Thou hast given him, talking about the king, thou hast given to me, the king, thou hast given him his heart's desire. Verse 3, for thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest the crown of God on his head. Uh, verse 6, for thou hast made him most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. You see, it's all thou, thou, you know, and it, it was today, it was to the king. The Lord demonstrated his power and his greatness to David. Thou, strength, thou hast given, thou hast prevented. The word prevent us there actually means to succor anyone or anything. The word succor is an old English word. It means to help or to aid. It's, it's used, used to, the idea that of, of the word prevent there means God kept harm from you or protected you. For example, Deuteronomy 25. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam. You know, Balaam, uh, Balak had hired Balaam to come and curse Israel, but the Lord would not hearken unto Balaam. But the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Remember when Paul and Barnabas were at Lystra, and they healed the lame man, and odds and we're going to slay an ox. And, 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 in, and in response, a part of that in response, uh, Paul said this in Acts 14, uh, 16 through 17, he says, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. See, God desires to demonstrate his strength and his goodness to us. In 2 Chronicles 27, 6, it speaks of Jotham, the king Jotham. It says, so Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. And God is looking for those who will prepare their way before the Lord so he can do good to them. So he can demonstrate his strength in them. As he did in Jotham. And so we need to rejoice in his strength. We are to rejoice in his salvation. In fact, it says in verse 1, "We're to rejo- greatly shall he rejoice in, our, in his salvation. The word greatly there means exceeding much. Exceeding much. After all, we have exceeding much to be thankful for in our salvation. I mean, he's given us everlasting life. In verse four, he said, "He asked life of thee." In other words, you know, the king's saying, I, "I'm," I, you know, and, and I guess I could call that um, a third person. I didn't put my English hat on tonight, so I can't think of what that is. But anyway, he asked life of thee, and thou gavest him even length of days forever and ever. So he gave him. He asked life, and he gave him everlasting life, length of days. And he says forever and ever. You know, God's given us eternal life, everlasting life. John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Never perish. Never is a long time. Uh, So he's given us everlasting life, but he's also given us abundant life. Notice verses 5 and 6, his glory is great in thy salvation and majesty hast thou laid upon him, for thou hast made him most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. He's not only given us everlasting life, but he's given us abundant life. He said, his glory is great. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. He has exalted us, lifted us from the the from the pits of sin and exalt us, exalted us to glory, he took us from our sin and raised us up. He's laid upon or bestowed upon us honor and majesty, and again, the idea that those two words are very similar in definition if you would look them up. And it really means magnificence, ornament, or splendor, beauty, excellency, glorious glory, goodly, goodly honor, majesty. All those terms define. Honor and majesty; those are the things that God has given to us through His salvation. Go to, for an example, this. Go to Ezekiel, and we get a, a picture. Ezekiel sixteen, picture of this abundance, this honor and majesty and glory that God has given to His people. Ezekiel 16, of course, he's speaking especially here to the children of Ezek, or children of Israel, but again, uh, it, uh, you know, these principles are the same for us. Ezekiel 16, verse 1 Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, of man, <coughs> excuse me, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother a Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee, to do do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field, to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee, polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. And I have caused thee to die as the bud of the field. And thou hast increased and waxen great. And thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, thine hair is grown. Behold, the time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becomest mine. Then washed I thee with water, yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger skins, I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk, I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thine hands, and a chain on thy neck, I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thou wast thus, wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk and broidered work, and thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou dost prosper into a kingdom, and thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it is perfect through my comeliness, which I put on thee, saith the Lord God. You see, it, it, Israel is, is, is pictured here, or spoken of, in Ezekiel as the wife of Jehovah. But he said, when I found you, you were laying out there in, in the field, in blood. But I've decked you, and I've, I've, I've clothed you, and washed you, and cleaned you, and, 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 and given you the things to beautify you, and to honor you, and to, and the, so that you excelled, and, and you're now renowned. See, these are the things that God has given to us. He's taken us when we were in our sin and raised us up together to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The other day David said in Psalm 21 here, he also said, thou, verse 3, For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness, thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. See, he raised David up from a shepherd boy out keeping his father's sheep to the king. Put a crown of gold on his head. This was all of the Lord's doings. And so we need to rejoice in the Lord. But this rejoicing is a response to a request. Notice verse 2. Thou hast... Again, the king, referring to the king here. Thou hast given him his heart's desire, hast not withholden the request of his lips. In Jeremiah 3.3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great mighty things, which thou knowest not. The word desire here means to desire, to wish for, or the longings of one's heart. And the word request is very similar. It really means longing, uh, 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 but it has the idea of a vocal longing or desire to possess. In Second Samuel chapter twenty-three, in verses fifteen to sixteen, I think we have a good illustration of this this uh, desire request. Second Samuel twenty-three, in verses fifteen and sixteen. David is talking about his mighty men. And, and, and he says this about some of them. It said in David, verse, let's go to verse ten, verse 14. And David was then in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. So this was before, actually before David had become king. And the Philistines had invaded the land, and they, had, they, were, they were, uh, were in Bethlehem. And it says, And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Now, Know maybe David was just murmuring and or just said that not. He, I don't think he was expecting it to happen, but he said, I, I wish I could just have you know, he was, he was born and grew up in Bethlehem, and it, there must have been a very good well, water, well, well, uh, well of water there that that was really good. And and he just said, Oh, I wish I had a drink from that well in Bethlehem. Verse 16 says, And three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink the air, but poured it out unto the Lord. See, he had a desire. He had a and he vocalized that. You know, those three mighty, mighty men made it happen. Now, we don't have mighty men. We have an almighty God. That gave His right arm, the arm of salvation, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to meet the desires and the needs of our hearts, to give us life from death, give us uh, glory and honor and majesty. So, do you think He would withhold any good thing that we desire, or request? You know, James one seventeen says, "Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness." neither shadow of turning. You see, God is the same to and for everyone. I'm so thankful for that. You know, He's no respecter of persons. And so when we come to God for our sin, He clothes us in the garments of His righteousness. Psalm eighty four eleven says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. Uh, the Lord will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly you know the sun and and shield speaks of his garment of righteousness which he gives to us through the Lord Jesus Christ and it says that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly the word walk there has the place toward which I am going now and continuously it's not what's back there behind me in my sin it's now and what's going on ahead of me And uprightly means whole or complete. And so, the Bible says that Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. It's what Peter told Ananias before he healed him. Of course, we are complete in him. And so, uh, God will not withhold any good thing from us. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. But you know... We have to desire it. We need to request it. Do you ever have somebody say, "Well, I would have liked to had that," and you say, "Why oh, didn't I didn't?" Now, we know that God knows I think it's Matthew I'm in the wrong place. I think it's Matthew chapter nine. Sorry about that. Now God, God, you know, God knows everything, but He desires that we ask Him, that we seek Him for it. Uh, Matthew nine, verse twenty. Uh, not sure what I'm look, looking for here. Well, what I'm looking for is the uh, the man that brought his demon possessed son. To to the Lord. Matthew 19. Matthew nineteen. Thank you. See, sometimes we all need help. Uh, no. Huh? Isn't Mark nine? It is Mark 9. I don't know what I was looking at. Anyway, uh, in verse 20 it says, Then he brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, wallowing, wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway, up, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. See, we need, to, we need to desire and make it a request of our lips. The Lord responds to our requests. Then I want you to notice thirdly, we also notice his rest in the Lord, his rest in the Lord. Verse 7, for the king trusteth in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Uh, Again, the word trusteth here is, is, again, present and continuous. It speaks of confidence, security, assurance, hope. You know his, his, his security, his confidence is in the Lord. It's in the Lord. It's what he's trusting in. And, and in the Lord, we have preservation. Notice again verse seven, it says, "For the king trusteth in the Lord, through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. We have preservation. You know, God promised David his kingdom." Taken away from him for all eternity. Notice verse 6. For thou hast made him most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. Also, verse 4. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it, even length of days forever and ever. Now, you know, some, some commentators, one commentator I was reading said they believe this, this psalm speaks of. Is a messianic song and it speaks of the Messiah. Rabbis used to teach that, but but anyway here, but there is reference here when he says in verse four, "Thou hast made him most blessed, most blessed forever." I believe we see beyond David there to his, his kingdom which he promised would be forever, and which would end with the Lord Jesus Christ, and and it, it, that kingdom will be forever. Uh, Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of the increase of his government, peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Of course, Luke one thirty three, we find the fulfillment of that uh, uh, king being born. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And so he he promised David a kingdom forever, and also life forever, that he'd be preserved forever. And he's promised that to us. We'd we'd be preserved forever. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 5, Blessed be... 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance... Incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, we are kept by the power of God, we have an inheritance that's incorruptible and it's undefiled and it fades not away, it's reserved forever. No, I four of those things, if I kind of write for, ever of them, speak of something that never changes and is everlasting. Jude, says in Jude, verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by, by God the Father and preserved and Jesus Christ and called. We are preserved. Christians are not pickled. They're reserved. We are preserved in Jesus Christ. We are kept by his power. He has given us an everlasting preservation. So we we see preservation. We also see protection from his enemies. Notice verse verse 8. Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. The Lord protects us from our enemies. Zechariah 2.8, the Bible says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. How many of you would like to get poked in the eye? Is there anything you'll protect more than your eye? And God says, he that toucheth you, of course, speaking especially to Israel here, he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. We move in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 through 31. The Bible says, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farling? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than not just two, but many sparrows. So don't fear. Don't fear them that can destroy the body. You know, God knows every sparrow that falls on the ground. And he says, you are of much greater value than many sparrows. You see, God will protect us. Nothing, you know, we, we, we saw a couple weeks ago from Romans chapter 8. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Persecution? Sword? Powers? Principalities? Angels, height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall so separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are secure in him. There is protection from our enemies. You know, we have an animal enemy that desires to destroy us. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about it seeking whom he may devour. We have an adversary who's out to get us. But he can't destroy us. He can't take us out of our father's hand. And so we have protection from our enemies. But there's also, we, we shall see, the prosecution of his enemies. Notice verses 9 through 12. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall desire, devour them. It reminds me of the lake of fire spoken of in Revelation chapter 20. Their fruit shalt thou destroy from the earth and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. prosecution of his enemies. In Deuteronomy 32:43, the Bible says, Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will avenge the blood of his servants, and will render vengeance to his adversaries, and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. In Ezekiel 34, there's an interesting statement. Ezekiel 34 concerning Edom. I'm sorry, Ezekiel 35, wrong passage again. Uh, It says, verse 1, More the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, And I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt know that because perpetual hatred calamity in a time that their iniquity had an end therefore as I live saith Lord God I will prepare thee unto blood and blood shall pursue thee seest thou hast not hated blood even blood shall pursue thee and Thus will I make Mount Seir most desolate, and cut off from it him that passeth out, and him that returneth. And you know what? Mount Seir is a desolate place; no man dwells there. And you know, Edom boasted because of their—they lived in this rock fortress that they could not be conquered. You desolate, because you have a perpetual hatred. You know, when the, when the children were being overtaken by the Syrians and the Babylonians, those that were fleeing, the, the Edomites, killed them, plundered them. Those that were fleeing. You know, it's like taking advantage of somebody that's already down. They have a perpetual hatred. And God said, I'll destroy thee. You know, it's not a good thing to get on God's wrong side. In fact, Romans twelve nineteen says, "Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Your know, vengeance is not our place. We didn't we didn't create man, and it is our place to take his life and take vengeance. Now I'm not saying I'm not ta- saying we, we we need to do a good way with government government or is ordained of God, but vengeance is not our place as as the children as children of God. We're not supposed to get even with people. But he so he says." but rather give place under the wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, I don't believe God is about getting even, but justice will be served in its time. You know, we can look at the world and say, Man, how the wicked are getting away with murder. Your speech, and they seem to, but sooner or later, justice will be served. You don't get away with it with God, prosecute. You know, in, in uh, number six, there's a phrase there about saints under the picture of the saints under the altar who. Who were martyred for the word of God, for the testimony they held. And they said, How long, O Lord, wilt thou avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And Revelation chapter 6 to chapter 19 records that vengeance. And of course, chapter 20 is the lake of fire. And God's going to pour out his judgment on this wicked world and avenge the bloodshed of his people. No, God will prosecute his enemies. And they will be brought to justice. And so, we need to raise him up on high with our voice. Notice verse 13. It says, Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. So will we sing and praise thy power. You know, it is his strength. And we are to sing, we should sing, we are commanded to sing and praise Him, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, our Lord and Savior and our soon coming King. And we are to rejoice in Him. Joy in His strength, rejoice in His salvation. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. You know, God has given us much to rejoice in. And He's commanded us to rejoice. To rejoice. And so we need to think. You know, it's a, we, we need to we need we need to uh uh consider Philippians, the prescription he gives us in Philippians chapter 4. He tells us to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And then he says we ought to think on certain things. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, if you're going to think on things like that, it's going to remind you of God's goodness and God's blessings and God's power, his strength. And it will cause you to rejoice in the Lord for what he has given to us, what he has done for us already. And the greatest part about it all is the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. One day we will realize that glory and that honesty and majesty that is ours now. We just haven't received it yet. Just haven't received it yet. You know, I know I'm, I'm going to get some Christmas gifts because I've been good this year. <laughs> but But I haven't received them yet. But I know they're coming. And God's promised us these things. We know they're coming. We just haven't received them yet. But we do have eternal life. We have that right now. And we can have that abundant life that He has promised. The life of rest and rejoicing in Him. And we need to think and dwell on these things. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love for us. Thank you, Father, that you are the mighty God and the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the one that loved us and gave himself for us. Father, I pray you would help us to think on these things, to rejoice in your goodness. Father, even help us to think about and consider that one day, You will call us all home to share in your glory and your honor and your majesty. So, Father, help us while we are here in this sojourn here on earth to occupy till you come. To lift our voice in song and praise and testimony to thee of your great power and your goodness to us in the land of the living. Help us to be a testimony and a witness for you and just to be faithful until you come for us. We do thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name.